0: Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast for the foreign policy and global development communities and anyone who wants a deeper understanding of what is driving events in the world today. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch. Enjoy the show. Sri Lanka is in the midst of an economic freefall. The government is low on foreign exchange reserves and struggling to pay off debts. The Sri Lankan rupee has plunged in value over the last several weeks. Inflation is soaring, fuel is scarce, and there have been widespread blackouts in major parts of the country. This sharp economic downturn is sparking a political crisis for the long-ruling Rajapaksa family. The current president, Gotabaya Rajapaksa, was the defense minister for his older brother, Mahinda Rajapaksa, who served as president from 2005 to 2019. In 2019, Gotabaya became president and Mahinda became prime minister. Meanwhile, other members of this family have served in various other top government posts. But now, widespread protests are posing the most significant challenge to this family's grip on power in decades. My guest today, J.S. Thysaniagram, is a Sri Lankan journalist and human rights activist living in the U.S. He kicks off explaining how this economic crisis is impacting the daily lives of three women who are of different ethnicities and social classes. We then have a longer discussion about the causes of this economic crisis and its potential political impact. Uh, one thing to emphasize, as J.S. Thesaniagram does in this conversation, is that the Rajapaksa's grip on power is rooted in a kind of ethno-nationalism that supports the supremacy of the Sinhala Buddhist majority over the Tamil and Muslim minorities in the country. This is one key political backdrop to understand as this crisis challenges the Rajapaksas going forward. It was great to have J.S. Tisaniagram back on the podcast. We last spoke a year ago about how COVID-19 restrictions were being used as a pretext for government crackdowns on ethnic and religious minorities in the country, specifically the Tamil and Muslim populations. And today's conversation does a really good job of explaining the political and economic roots of this current crisis unfolding in Sri Lanka. All right, now here is my conversation with J.S. Tessaniagram. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube.
1: Sri Lanka's problem today stems basically from a failure of accountability when wrong decisions are made. This has led to both an economic crisis as well as a political crisis. At the same time, the failure is systemic. The economic crisis is is not affecting everyone equally. So I have a couple of examples. Uh, One example is Chandramati, who is a Tamil living in Kilinochi, in the northern part of Sri Lanka, as a mother of a boy who was forcibly disappeared by the Sri Lanka government. She's a teacher. Uh, Like her southern counterparts, she and her family, too, are facing shortages of cooking, gas, fuel, electricity, etc. However, she says, because the government limiting food and fuel in the past, during Sri Lanka's 26-year civil war, she can bear these privations. Her main concern for the last 13 years has been searching for her son who disappeared. She says Tamil families protesting every day for the last five years, but for their disappeared loved ones have not had accountability or justice, despite different political parties and leaders being in government. Then another example is Shirali, who is also a teacher living in the outskirts of Colombo, that is Sri Lanka's capital city. A Singhalese mother, she has three children under the age of 10. The 13 hour power cuts in late March were especially hard on her because none of her children would sleep due to the heat. She could not teach uh, online because each part of Colombo had different power power cut schedules. Now that the 13 hour power cuts have been done away with, things are easier. But she still finds it difficult to go to work because there are fuel shortages and her husband and she. Have to take turns in being in line to obtain a canister of cooking gas that would last him for about three weeks. Finally, there's is Iromi. Iromi is a vice president of a conglomerate. She's the mother of two and lives in the most affluent part of Colombo, Cinnamon Gardens, of, uh, known as Colombo 7. She's worried about her business. The value of the Sri Lankan currency plunging, uh, she wonders if she could even make modest profits this year. She hopes the government agreeing to the IMF program, even at this stage, will stabilize the economy. Personally, she has not been affected as the others because Colombo 7 does not have daily power cuts. Her children can study online and she can work from, from home. Uh, and her maid ensures that there is cooking gas to cook food. So when we are speaking about the economic crisis, it hasn't affected everyone equally or in the same way
0: but it still it has affected everyone but as you said not equally i mean the the plunging value of the sri lankan rupee is sort of stunning to behold it is the worst performing currency in the world today including like the russian ruble it's it's really sort of shocking to see a currency be devalued so quickly
1: so the main economic problem, the, the crisis besetting Sri Lanka, has been have been two issues. One is the one has been budget deficits and the current current account deficit. When Sri Lanka's civil war ended in May two thousand and nine, there was hope in a substantive peace dividend. However, that didn't quite materialize, except of course uh, in the expansion of tourism. Sri Lanka therefore had to resort to international borrowing. It started borrowing from international capital markets, but soon turned to -to government-to-government loans, especially from China. Sri Lanka had to also borrow from India and Western countries. All this increased budget deficits. Sri Lanka tried to service these these debts from from income earned from tourism, foreign remittances, uh, supplemented, of course, by exports of tea, etc. Although there was always a current account deficit, because the import of oil, food, medicine, and retail products exceeded the income from exports. Then a couple of things happened in 2019 and 2020. First, Gotabi Rajapaksa became president and went on to implement two ill-advised policies. The first was to slash taxes, including VAT, or the value-added tax, by almost half. So there was a substantial drop in revenue from that. Secondly, he implemented an abrupt switch from chemical fertilizer to organic fertilizer. This led to a huge fall in yields, affecting food security and and a further fall of revenue.
0: Can I stop you there? Because that seems like quirky. Why impose that restriction?
1: No one knows uh, for sure, actually. But one of the reasons that they have been, uh, that, uh, that he stated at that time was that Orga, that uh, was that chemical fertilizer was not good for not good for the environment. It was not good for health, and that it was affecting people uh, people's uh, health and well being. And therefore, he was hoping that uh, therefore he was shifting, or his government was hoping to shift, from chemical fertilizer to organic fertilizer. But the problem here was this: the uh, shift was immediate and abrupt. And the soil uh, uh, in Sri Lanka, which was used, uh, or the farmers who were used to cultivating uh, using chemical fertilizer couldn't make the abrupt change because the soil was, wasn't used to it. And it led to an immediate drop in yields, both for, say, uh, paddy, which is Sri Lanka's uh, uh, staple food, food, uh, food supply, uh, as well as things like tea and so on and so forth, which is a important foreign exchange earner. So uh, the real reason for that we do not know, except perhaps uh, uh, the reason of health and trying to uh, uh, keep uh, foreign exchange from uh, or foreign exchange from going out. But it had a disastrous consequence on uh, 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 on the people and on the economy.
0: So you had the tax cuts combined with this desire or imposition of switching the kind of fertilizers are used in Sri Lanka, which led to a sharp reduction in the production of of key exports like tea, uh, combined, I suppose, then a year later with you know, the the pandemic, right, that right. presumably had a huge impact on Sri Lanka's tourism industry, among others, which you said was responsible for some of the revenue generated to pay off some of these foreign debts.
1: Right. Yeah. So then the pandemic happened. Almost overnight, it affected Sri Lanka's foreign earnings because foreign tourists stopped coming. Garment exports uh, contracted because there were few foreign orders. Remittances by overseas workers dried up because workers had to return to Sri Lanka. Therefore, the real crisis arose because as international debt could not be paid off uh, because because of foreign uh, foreign earnings, while Sri Lanka wrestled with repaying foreign debt, it had to also import essentials like fuel, cooking gas, food, and pharmaceuticals. In desperation, Sri Lanka began to began dipping into its foreign exchange reserves. Problems of repaying debt, uh, peculiar to Sri Lanka, of course, was exacerbated by international crises face, faced by other nations as well, such as uh, you know, supply chain shortcomings, and with the Russia-Ukraine war, uh, rising international oil prices. With shortages and domestic demand rising, prices soared, and the government started printing money which aggravated inflation. This devalued uh, the domestic currency, the rupee, that is, and making it more difficult for Sri Lanka to meet its uh, debt obligations in US dollars. With limited fuel, long lines for fuel, for for vehicle gas, cooking gas, uh, and the worst thing was uh, 13-hour power cuts began, which in turn started the... Protests of the people against uh, what was going
0: on. It's here where I want to pick up the story, you know, as we speak, there have been days or more of protests throughout Sri Lanka, including at the residence of the president of uh, Sri Lanka, Godabaya Rajapaksa. Can you describe these these protests in more detail?
1: Right. Well, what was surprising about the present crisis is that Sri Lankans took to the the streets in protest. What was sporadic, say, in early March, became more widespread as time went on. The main reason for these protests, of course, was economic shortages of food, fuel, cooking, gas, medicine, etc. And most important, electricity cuts after 12 hours a day, which began to hit the middle class very bad. But inevitably, the protests became politicized with the call for Gotabe Rajapaksa to resign or the go-home, go Gota go, ta, go ta slogan. But due to the Rajapaksa family controlling the government in many ways, the rising anger against him became go-home, Rajapaksa.
0: Mm. So not culture- just go to a Rajapaksa, but the whole Rajapaksa ruling clan yeah. is being turned upon by the Sinhalese majority population that they sought to uh, cultivate uh, for, for many, many years.
1: Yes, that is correct. Uh, it has been mostly uh, the Singhalese, uh, but there have been also Muslims and Tamils participating in these uh, protests. Mm-hmm. Although some of the, although the Tamils uh, have had different slogans, since not only uh, go home, Gota, they have had other slogans as well, which I can explain as we go along.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So, uh, despite the protests at the Golf Promenade, which is in downtown Colombo, and that has featured prominently in the news, I believe that, by itself, it is not powerful enough to make either President Gotabe Rajapaksa or the Rajapaksa clan give up power. Those protests do not have a political program other than for the president and his relatives to leave government. The protests have become popular because it is largely fueled by the middle class, which thinks that it is part of a political revolution, amplified through social media. The protest in is Pamana, therefore, is to my mind, a group of people under an authoritarian regime making the best use of an opportunity to hurl abuse at the president, his family and the government. However, there have been other groups agitating for change, such as the Ceylon Teachers Union, uh, the, the railway union that is calling for a strike, there's the opposition political party, the JVP, and the main opposition party, the SJP, that have all mobilized and are being taken much more seriously by the regime because they actually have a political program.
0: What has been the response thus far uh, of the Rajapaksa's to this protest movement?
1: Its response is not to go away or to resign or Gotabaya Rajapaksa to remain uh, to to resign and go away, uh, unless of course he faces much. More uh, much more political opposition. Under the circumstances, uh, the idea that President Gotabia Rajapaksa is going to resign and go home is misled. And why is that? Because if he relinquishes power, he cannot live in Sri Lanka as his singular enemies will want to punish him and could use the Sri Lankan courts to mete out punishment. And it is well known that he is terrified of the courts of law, let alone imprisonment. If Gautakir Rajapaksa resigns and moves overseas to, say, the U.S., there will be where has property and family. The Tamil diaspora and, the, and human rights defenders who have filed cases against him for genocide, war crimes, and crimes against humanity will be waiting to resume proceed, proceedings, which is, also, which is also something that terrifies him. Unless, of course, he is given immunity, which is never a 100% guarantee. Therefore, resigning is the last thing on its mind. So now that Sri Lanka has engaged in a program with the International Monetary Fund to restructure the repayment of its debt, Gotabi Rajapaksa realizes Sri Lanka in the next few months or years is going to face painful austerity. Therefore, to spread the responsibility of the pain with as many parties as possible might be the best, best find. Therefore, he is happy to have a multi-party government. At the head of the government, he will want to project himself, a singular Buddhist, as a strong leader. He would want to project himself as the man who ensures political stability in a world where, uh, where there is uh, inevitable unrest because of austerity and shortage. Meanwhile, he will also transmit the message that as a former soldier and defense secretary, that he has the confidence of the military to ensure there is no coup. So he will want to project himself as a strong leader in whom the international community can retain confidence. Such a leader will be palatable to Washington, which likes stability, and will also hope to use the IMF debt restructuring program and other economic ties to wean Colombo out of China's economic grip. And also, the U.S. would like to use Goa to strengthen military relations, such as uh, you know, so re- re- resume negotiations on the status of forces or Sofa Agreement, which has been in limbo. So my 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 feeling is that he's not resigning any soon.
0: He'll try to kind of weather this this storm in the ways that you describe. So earlier in our conversation, you cited lack of accountability as one of the reasons that Sri Lanka's economy is in the mess that it's in today. Presumably, this refers at least in part to the credible accusations of war crimes and crimes against humanity leveled against Godabaya Rajapaksa, stemming from the end of the Sri Lankan civil war in May 2009, in which, you know, I've seen estimates of around 40,000 uh, Tamils were, were basically murdered uh, by the Sri Lankan military, then headed by Godabaya, who is now the president of Sri Lanka. To what extent can you sort of draw a straight line between that event, the kind of ethno-nationalism that uh, the Rajapaksas invoked to sustain their rule and the economic crisis of today.
1: Right. So that is why I call the, 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 the failure of accountability on uh, economic issues systemic and not only something to do with uh, the, the, with economics uh, and, uh, uh, and and what has transpired in the last couple of months because an important example of this systemic failure is that uh, one of uh, that uh, sri lanka's political leaders including gota garajapaksa as he was saying and serving military top brass were not held accountable for war crimes and crimes against humanity committed against the temple during the country's civil war the judicial system and the media which are built-in guardrails against criminal behavior by governments, fail to bring about that accountability. And not being accountable for war crimes is, a, is to me as serious a failure uh, of the system as today's economic crisis, because not only does it reflect that the institutions of justice were unable to punish criminal behavior, but that the failure of Sri Lanka's constitution to guarantee equality non-discrimination, and human rights for all its citizens, because that was what, that was the failure that brought about the civil war in the first place. So there is a direct line in in the fact that Sri Lanka's institutions have not been uh, able to be accountable for criminal behavior by governments, as well as other shortcomings, such as bad policy decisions, which brought about This economic crisis, which which Sri Lanka is now experiencing.
0: Going forward, in the next few days or weeks or even months, what will you be looking towards that will suggest to you how this crisis may unfold, both politically and economically?
1: I feel that there are four possibilities. You know, there are four possibilities. Uh, one of which I described. So I will, I will restate the four possibilities. I won't go through the, uh, the, the possibility that I just described, but I'll go through uh, the other three possibilities. So the four possibilities are one, Raja Rajapaksa resigns and goes which I said will not happen. So I will not repeat that. The other possibility, the second possibility is that the SJB, which is the main opposition party, establishes a parliamentary government, but Uh, its policies being such, will ignore Tamil and Muslim issues. The third possibility is that the Tamil political parties use this movement to push for restructuring the state and sharing power under a federal government. And of course, the fourth possibility is that uh, Gotabhi Rajapaksa abandons all political negotiations and rules with the military support. So I'll try to go into a bit of detail about the second, third, and fourth issue. So uh, the main uh, opposition, the second possibility, of course, is the main uh, party in opposition, the SJB, trying to use the opportunity of political unrest to probably retain Kotabia Rajapaksa as the nominal head of state or as president, but bring about changes to make parliament the center of political power. The SJB leadership will try, and they have made uh, made certain uh, pronouncements or come up with a draft uh, that reflects this uh, their, 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 their interest in these changes. The SJB's leadership will try to portray itself as being a, as being more pro-neoliberal reform than the present government, and therefore better able to manage the IMF program. However, Parliament becoming the locus of power under this arrangement will be at the expense of the Tamils and Muslims. Tamils and Muslims have been demanding that Sinhala Buddhists who dominate the state share power with them. There is nothing in the program put forward by the SJB that says that it is willing to share any more power uh, than than what the present constitution shares with the Tamils and Muslims, which both the Tamils and Muslims have rejected as inadequate. The SJB will try to appeal to the Sri Lankan people by saying that the state will continue to be dominated by Sinhala Buddhists with minimal uh, power sharing with the Tamils and Muslims. The third possibility is that the Tamil parties will use the, will use the, this opportunity uh, to consolidate their demands. The Tamil parties should be vehement. Uh, that removing the president or installing a single Buddhist-dominated parliament is not what they want. The Tamils and Muslims have been fighting for structural change, ensure uh, uh, not replacing one Buddhist leader with another. But the structural change would mean ensuring two things. One, that in any new setup, Accountability includes accountability for past human rights violations, such as crimes against humanity committed during the war, which we spoke about a moment ago, and not only corruption for abuse uh, of power and corruption, uh, as the present uh, leader is being charged for under the economic uh, crisis. The second is that the uh, uh, Tamil support in or outside parliament to the government should be predicated on a seri- on serious negotiations for at least a federal system of government. Any suggestion that, Tam- that discussions should could be postponed on this matter should be rejected or, should, and, or, or not entertained by the Tamil party. The question is whether the Tamil parties are willing to stand together to push for this. And if not, whether the numerous interest groups such as families the disappeared the diaspora, the Tamil diaspora that is, groups fighting for the release of political prisoners and for demilitarization and so on and so forth, could force the Tamil parties to stand together and make united demands. And That's... of course, the final dip- the go is abandoning political negotiations altogether and ruling with the military
0: and its family's support,
1: uh, which is a pity, uh, as it will uh, bring about further repression.
0: So, you know, two of the Uh, scenarios you just described are seemingly opposing to each other. There's one in which a more pluralistic and inclusive structural change come about comes about that um, that admits or gives Tamils and Muslims more political power structurally. The other is a devolution of power to the parliament, which is controlled by a Sinhalese nationalist party uh, you know, of those two c- scenarios of structural change, do you find anyone more likely?
1: Well, I personally find the second one, that is the SJB uh, pushing for a, a parliamentary uh, form of government. If they can uh, force Gotabaya or Rajapaksa to resign, uh, a, a more a, a, a greater possibility. But, it will all depend on how the Tamil parties uh, react to that. I mean, if they stand firm and say, okay, we are not going to accept this, you know, any sort of parliament, any sort of change to a parliamentary form of government because it will only continue singular Buddhist domination and we can only uh, support you if you are willing to negotiate on the two issues of greater accountability and greater power sharing that is basically to restructure uh, the present unitary constitution into a, into a uh, a federal a federal constitution, and our support will depend solely on that. If they can push that, I think they will be able to make uh, uh, quite a bit of it. So while I feel the the uh, parliamentary government uh, 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 coming about is is a, is a greater possibility if Gotha Rajapaksa resigns. It doesn't necessarily mean that the the, the, the Tamil and Muslim party should throw up everything and say, okay, we have no other alternative but to but to, uh, to support these guys. They can definitely, they definitely have the space, and I think they have the power to negotiate a better deal. Uh,
0: and, and perhaps lastly, I mean, if these protests continue and if they grow in, in size, um, what impact, or, or do you think that might lead to one of the scenarios that you described of either Rajapaksa, you know, doubling down with military repression or being forced to resign?
1: Well, I think if the uh, uh, if the if the protests, not only at the Gulf Face Promenade, but other political groups such as the political parties and other interest groups like trade unions, really come out. And say that they have that they will not accept any compromise, and Gotabaya Rajapaksa has to go. There is a possibility of him resigning, but I don't think he going. He will go without a fight, because he he will feel that that is uh, that will be counterproductive because he will face the courts of law either in with a Sri Lanka or possibly in a foreign country. On the other hand, he might think, okay, I have no other option but to use the military and become a dictator. And uh, you might remember, Mark, that uh, some some time ago we had this conversation about how, how uh, there's a possibility that another crisis in Sri Lanka, like the COVID-19, could bring about a, a recurrence of violence because Sri Lanka's past in dealing with atrocities has not uh, been uh, has not been very good. It has not gone to the root causes uh, to uh, to resolve those issues. And in uh, and if Gota Maharaj of feels that he has to uh, sort of govern with uh, with an iron hand and by using the military, he could very well use issues like uh, you know there is a very important uh, commemorative event coming up uh, on the eighteenth of March. We Tamils commemorate the dead, which traditionally Sri Lankan governments have tried to uh, repress because they feel it's an outpouring of grief, which has certain political uh, significance, and which has uh, which, which defies the government, and is a statement of dissent. So, go- so the so the Sri Lanka government under Gotabiru could very well use that to again, you know, resume repression. And basically say that the Liberation Tigers of Tamil nadu the former rebels, are regrouping, and it has repressed such a such a possibility. Uh, I mean, it's all I mean all manufactured that sort of uh, mm-hmm. content and used that to start repression, and then spread the repression to other parts of Sri Lanka uh, by uh, and use the military to control uh, uh, to control the country and become a full time full dictatorship.
0: And you said the 18th of March, but I think you meant the 18th of uh, May, right? Of me. I'm sorry. yes, 18th of May. Well, Tissa, thank you so much. This is very helpful and timely.
1: Thank you very much, Mark. Thanks for having me. Very nice speaking to you.
0: All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to J.S. Tissa Nygram for speaking with me. And I hope you appreciate this conversation. I know I did, and I suspect it will give you the context you need to understand events in Sri Lanka as they unfold. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye.